0: Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message Okay, so now the mystery of God in man. Let's just do a little bit of you know understanding here. When you go to the dictionary to find the meaning of mystery, according to the Oxford Dictionary, this is how mystery is defined. something that is difficult. Or impossible to understand or explain. The Oxford Dictionary, Common Human Knowledge Level says mystery is something that is difficult to understand or explain. I pray this morning God will help us to be able to understand this because He wants us to get this. And so, like I said before, what is this whole thing about God in man? Look at your own self. At least from the time that you began to know yourself, maybe you were like five, six, seven. Some of you probably got to know yourself a little bit earlier, maybe two years, I don't know. But no matter the age you are at right now, just think about yourself where you were five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, depending on your age. This may apply to us in different ways. I can keep going. Maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40, 50, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, if you can. Look at the changes that have come in your own life. I'm not talking about spiritual stuff at this moment. Physical body changes. Amen. Just think about that. And you will begin to understand the mystery of your own self as a person. One of the things that really speak to me, you might have seen these kind of you know, images. Sometimes you see two pictures of a person like photographed 25 years and maybe 60-something, 80-something, 90-something, depending on you know, how many years God gives them. You, you've seen this kind of picture before, right? They have teenage picture here and then maybe some age down there. I don't want to give any age to it. I love to watch, I love to sit by those kind of you know pictures if you ask my wife she's going to tell you because for me it speaks to me a lot about how this whole life is about God has given us this body this flesh here that goes through so many different forms of changes across the the span of our life on earth And all through history, people have have found ways, have struggled in some sense, try to find this mystery of how God, who is divine, who is holy, who is perfect, would choose to dwell in this human body. Why? Why would God do that? If God is holy and he's perfect and he's all-knowing, he is divine in his essence, why would he choose to come and dwell in us? We are fallible in many ways. We are weak in many ways. Just the physical, you know, deterioration of our body alone speaks to us of how we have been formed in this flesh. So for the people who think that it's not possible to have a relationship with God, because, you know, as we think about some of these things, we get different forms of, you know, um, meanings and understanding and interpretation to it. For some people who think that God cannot dwell in our life, I mean, he can't dwell in us, he can live in us, well, there's no God. Some believe there is no God, because any time you accept that there is a God, it will call for a relationship between you and that God. And so for people who are not ready to embrace that, they choose to just believe there is no God. But you know, believing there is no God still calls for belief. Amen. So there is a form of believing there. I would better put it on the other side and believe there is a God because there is still a belief. And for those who choose to believe that there is a God and who wants to relate with us, Those are people like you and me and maybe some other people in other forms of faith. And so between the spectrum are many other people, you know. but I'm just picking the extreme ends. Those who believe there is no God and so no relationship with him. And so in their bodies, they have nothing to do with a God. To the other extreme where we believe there is a God and we choose to have a relationship with that God. This puzzle, this mystery, Has been a burden of humanity since the time of creation for some worldviews and and faith you know um, groups they believe there is a God but because God is so holy and so you know um, divine they believe they cannot relate with him in their own bodies there cannot be a connection between them and God's you know without anything being an intermediary. And so for those kind of people, they would try to find certain symbols to be the mediator between them and God. The point I'm trying to make is this. People have struggled with this mystery for long and have chosen different ways and different forms to connect with God if they believe there is a God. And so... The Bible says in First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Paul made a profound statement there. He said, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? What Paul is saying is this. In this body, fallible in many forms, weak in many forms, that, you know, deteriorates, you know, in the course of time, that this body is the place that God has chosen to dwell. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I believe as I, I, you know, I was talking, maybe you were thinking, well, God lives in me by his spirit. Yes, but you are still the career of the spirit of God. That is the mystery we're trying to unpack this morning. It doesn't matter how powerful you have the presence of God in your life the very day you die it ends have you thought about that you can be anointed above everyone all over the world but that anointing that presence of God is hosted in this body and so when when you die the day I take my last breath everything on me is gone because this body has become the place that hosts the presence of God and so David one of the very you know um, key people all through the Bible also tried to find this mystery he tried to explore to see if he can identify what this secret is about what is it about man that God really loves and wants to connect with man who is fallible in many ways I'm using man here in the in the sense of in a generic sense so for those of you who are thinking maybe I'm leaving the women out, it's everybody. Amen. Just to clarify. So, David said in Psalm 8, verse 4 to 6, David began to explore this himself. He said, What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? And then he went on to say this. Let me move on to here. Um, he said, What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you. You visit for you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your of your hands, you have put all things under his feet. David is still trying to explore this whole thing. Who is man? What is man that God you love so much? In fact, the the part which says, For you have made him a little lower than the angels. The original Greek, Hebrew to Greek word there is not angel, you know, heavenly beings. It refers to Elohim, God. So what David is saying is this. Who is man that you've made him just a little lower than you? Who, who is this person? Who, who is man? You've given him everything. You've crowned him with glory and honor. Who is man? That is the question David is trying to explore. Why is it important for us to explore this mystery, even today? And like I said before, we have come to a season, all of us, or some of us, or most of us, do believe that the outpour of the glory of God is now, is here. It doesn't matter how, you know, the news you you see out there, and the stories you see out there, the power of God, the release, the end time release of God's power and glory is already going on. And God wants each and every one of us to be part of that, to allow him to use us in this body, in this body. And so if we don't, understand, if we don't come to the point of understanding this whole relationship then between us and God, the enemy takes us away from how God can use us for his glory here on earth. And so I appreciate people like David who try to explore this to give us some form of understanding. If we do not understand this mystery, if we we fail or in the situation where we have not understood how this mystery works, the possibility of God, divine God, dwelling in us, using us, working in us, what happens to us? I want to give maybe three key points about how a wrong understanding of this mystery can impact our lives, as children of God, even sometimes, of course to everyone, but also even to, the house, to those in the house of God, if we do not properly understand this mystery of how God can partner with us, as humans, to, to work to do His work on earth, one, it affects how we view and define ourselves. we are mostly tempted in many ways to look at the weaknesses we have in our bodies. And you know, it doesn't matter where you are in your relationship with God. There is still something that you are working on. Amen. But when God begins to bring us to a next level of our work with him, the enemy comes and he whispers, you are not good. You are not qualified. You have this sin in your life you have this trouble in your life who told you you can serve god who told you you can be a place that god would dwell to bring his glory to his people and most of the time this voice of the enemy would shut people who would be able to rise up to do kingdom in business would just shut or sometimes they would try a little and just leave the rest because the tendency of thinking about weakness whether it is a spiritual weakness, you know, emotional weakness, or even a physical weakness, we make that an excuse. I've heard a lot of people, you know, even in church, say things like, you know, but we are all sinners. No, you are not a sinner. That is an indictment on the blood of Jesus, on your life. If you have given your life to Jesus, you are born again. You can't define yourself as a sinner. Amen. Amen. Because the blood has washed you, God sees you through the lens of Jesus' righteousness. That is your identity. View yourself that way, believe yourself and walk in that. Yes. It is part of the mystery of how God is dwelling in us. And so we assume some form, we we, we we allow this to shape our view and how we define ourselves. The second thing is sometimes it causes us to assume a sense of false humility. Hallelujah. God begins to call people. Last um, Sunday, for those of you who were here, we had a beautiful message from our guest speaker, um, Chris Chris Limbeck, when he, he came around. And you know, he shared a story of how he tried to run away from God several times. Even though God has spoken to him when he was a very young boy, he knew there was a calling of God over his life. He knew there was an assignment on his destiny to reach people within his nation and abroad. But many times he, he tried to run away. When we have not understood how this mystery works in our lives, there is a form of false humility that we sometimes assume. And let me give an example of that. People would say things like, "You know, well, for me, I'm just an ordinary Christian. Um, you know, I just love Jesus. I just serve God, and you know, that is all. That is all, but that is not all. That statement doesn't necessarily make you humbled. Sometimes we say that because we don't want people to think that we are we've been anointed by God or whatever." Let's read from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, and then read some verses there. To see how God wants us to see ourselves, especially as born-again children of God. In Ephesians 4, verse 7, Paul says this. Talking about how Jesus has given gifts unto his children. And you know, all of us here, if you are born again, whether you are born again or not, God has given you something that is needed in for his kingdom. But when you get born again, there is an empowerment that comes upon that gift in your life. And so Paul says, but to each of you, for each of us, grace was given, look at it, according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So we are all born again. I'll continue. Let's work on this a little bit. God has given all of us different forms of giftings. The grace that is upon your life is dependent on the gifts that God has given you he says but to each of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So if God has for instance like let me use the example of Chris from last week he has been called as an evangelist to preach the word of God within his nation and abroad and I had a chat with him you know just before be, before he came to speak and he was telling me about how He goes to um, like Zambia and South Africa and some of those countries in those areas. And how God uses him in that place. And we all know what he's doing, you know, in in, um, Deadwood and around the area. This man is called by God as an evangelist. A person like that, his grace is according to his calling. If God calls you as a pastor, the grace he's given to you is the grace of a pastor. If God calls you as an apostle to the whole world, the grace he gives you is the grace of an apostle. Not defining yourself as an apostle doesn't make you humble compared to the other person who knows that he's, she is an apostle and embraces that. In fact, the more you embrace who you are, the grace multiplies upon your life. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so sometimes we say, you know, all this kind of... You know, I'm just kind of an ordinary person. and all. Yeah, it may sound good in the ears of people, but before God, you are not that ordinary. And I'm not talking about titles. I'm talking about giftings and offices. Amen. Titles don't matter. You can just cancel them out. <laughs> but if God has called you into an office, embracing that calling and stepping into that office... It's where you can see the release of grace upon your life. Amen. And so when Chris said he went, the first time he said he went to Zambia and a boy came and he prayed for him. He did not even know what was happening. And the boy was jumping around and this was a boy who could not walk before. How did that grace, how did that happen? Because he embraced that evangelistic calling and stepped into it. And so the grace came. Please let us bring the next verse. The verse um, 8 so from that one where he says God has given to each one according to you know grace based on your gift therefore he says when he ascended on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men Still about a gift let's move on please okay and he himself gave some to be apostles what is he talking about here the gifts The gifts that has a relationship with the grace is what Paul is still talking about here. He gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And so if God has called you into any of this, as I said, these are not titles. These are offices. These are places of God's calling from Jesus for us to be able to walk in to influence the world for his glory. Let me give a typical example. When somebody becomes a prime minister, okay, before the person became a prime minister, to to be a prime minister is an office that one is called in. Let me give that. I think we can all understand that. The office that a person sits in has its own benefits and um, the honor that comes with it. So when you are a prime minister, the thing that you can enjoy, you can enjoy or you can use in that office. When you step out, those things are not available to you anymore. Praise God. It is the same. When God calls you into an office, the grace that he's given to you is based on that office. Amen. And so we can't keep running away from where God has called us. In fact, we actually don't allow the grace to really flow through us when we keep on doing that. It is part of the mystery of how God dwells in men. He's called us into different things at different places. And we may all not be in this five-fold ministry area. There are different places. God has given some people the anointing to administer, to to love, to care. All these are different giftings. When you embrace your that and step into it, you begin to enjoy the grace that comes with it. And so if you are an apostle, be an apostle. Don't be, don't, don't be shy of it. It is God who gave it to you as a gift. When God gives you a gift and you receive it, it becomes yours. If I give this bottle as a gift to Emmanuel, as soon as he takes it and says, thank you, it is his. It's no more mine. That is how these whole things work. And so whatever God has called you to do, That is actually your real identity in the things of God because that is where grace comes upon you but sometimes when we do not understand the mystery it affects how we we relate in this way and then the last thing which is connected to the first one here is that we run away from our callings and purposes on the earth because once again we look to our weaknesses in the flesh when God called Moses Moses see the, the life of the Israelites in Egypt was something God told Abraham even before Moses came onto the scene. It was a privilege for Moses to have been the person chosen at that time to lead them out of Egypt. But listen to what Moses said when God came and spoke to him. That one is not here, but for those who are taking notes, you can write Exodus 4 verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Exodus 4:10, Pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. He began giving excuses based on his physical, you know, human nature. I can't speak. I am weak, Lord. Not before you came to me or after you came to me. In other words, look for another person. It can be me. God, I know you're going to take Israel out of here because for everyone who at a time who had read who knew the history of the Jews, they knew at some point they were going to leave Egypt. Moses knew that was part of God's plan for them. But for him, he was not qualified. It's not only Moses who struggled with this. God came to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter one, verse six. Call me as a prophet. God actually said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I ordained you. His ordination didn't happen on a pulpit like this by some people, even though that is also good. He was ordained in the womb of his mother. But look at what Jeremiah said to God. Our Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. For him, age was a problem, and his speech was a problem the question is why was he looking into his human nature because once again the mystery of how God dwells in us and works in us has continued to puzzle people across generations hallelujah God called Jeremiah I want you to go there uproot, destroy and plant for my namesake he said God I can't speak I am only a little boy in other words go look for someone else Gideon was another example. Judges says, verse 15, God appears to Gideon in the time that the Israelites were being oppressed by the enemies. The Midianites and all the people there were oppressing the Israelites. The Bible says, after they had farmed and struggled, the Midianites would come and take away all the harvest. God was looking for someone to be the channel of his redemption to Israel. He appears to Gideon and calls him a mighty man of valor. In fact, if God calls you by that, I think you should be happy. Wow, God of all the world calls me a mighty man of valor? Listen to what he said in Judges 6 verse 15. So he said to him, "Oh Lord, how can I save Israel? Now he began to give God a history of his background. As if God did not know that. Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. Oh, wow. Provide education to God, Gideon. Good teacher, teach God. God doesn't know. Give history to God. He said, God, I I can't do this. I'm not qualified. How many of us give these excuses to God? God is calling you. See, Every calling that God has placed on you is connected to the destiny of some people. Every calling upon your life is connected to the destiny of some people. I'm not here to make you feel bad, but I just want to let you know that is the gospel truth. If you step into your calling, into whatever God has called you for, and I'm not talking about calling as preaching and whatever God has called you to do, it could be in your family within your friends, in your neighborhood, whatever, in your workplace, in your business, it is connected to the destiny of some people. Imagine the person who got the knowledge to produce this microphone, said no. I wouldn't be here preaching to all of you. Probably I could, but it would have been a different form of struggle. So giftings and callings and talents and potential are useful and needed by God. In fact, sometimes God oppresses like a businessman. Every resource that he has released into your life, he needs you to use it. It's biblical. Read Matthew 5, the parable of the talents. It is right there. So whatever God has placed inside of you, he wants you to use it. Not for yourself necessarily, but for other people. And so all these people here in the Bible, time would not permit me to give more. They gave excuses. I am not qualified. Why? Because the first point of, you know, um, attention was the body, was the flesh. I am weak. How can God use me? I am not able to speak. I can walk. I can preach. I can teach. But yes, God knows all that before he called you. So anytime we begin to give these excuses, probably we might have not grasped This mystery of how God is able to work in us as men. And the mystery should make us happy as God's children. Because I personally don't know how God of all the earth would love me so much that he would allow me, George, to host his presence in my body. How would God love you so much that he would allow you to host his presence in your body? Like we read before, Paul said, don't you know that your your bodies are the temple of God? Have you thought about that? Your bodies are the temple of God. Sometimes we say things like, you know, and I know some of these are religious ways of saying this. I, I might have said this here before. God doesn't really need us. You know, God can use whatever he wants to use. Yes, if we're saying that from the sovereign position of God, I understand. He can use whatever he wants to use. He can let his body here start preaching. He can. But from a biblical perspective, as to how God gave purpose to mankind, it is not true. The saying that God doesn't need us is not true. God needs every single one of us. No matter who you are, God needs you. That is why he made you. If he doesn't need you, he's not going to make you. He needs you. He formed you. He called you into a purpose. Something. He needs you. God needs you. So if you've thought that, well, God can use some other people. He doesn't need me. Today, I want to challenge that. And prove to you from the Bible that God needs you. Right in Genesis, he gave assignment to his children. And that calling, Jesus came back and restored it unto us. And so God needs you. As I began to study this, I thought it would be important for us to once again explore another big question on this matter. So if it is true that God dwells in this body, a holy God, a divine God, a righteous God, We choose to dwell in my body. Sometimes I'm fallible. One day this body will die. The wrinkles will come at some point in time. The hair color will change at some point in time. It doesn't matter how we try to change it. It will still come. We grow. Things change. The cells in our body break. Things happen. One day we die and we go. Why would God even choose to do that? Why would God choose to do that? I want to share quickly with us. Four key reasons why God chose to let this mystery exist in our lives. One is to prove his love for humans, for man. God chose to dwell in our body to prove his love for us. See, when God created all the things around, he he loved man in a different way. The love of God is so unique that sometimes it's difficult to explain. That is why it is agape love. We don't deserve it. He just gave it on to us. But the reason why God of all creation would choose to dwell in you as a person is because he loves you. That is the highest proof of God's love for you. That he can come and dwell in you and live in you irrespective of all the weaknesses that we have in this body. Sometimes think of the things that we do, which do not appear on the camera. Hallelujah. But God still loves us. It blows my mind. That is a mystery of how God dwells in us, how God chose to love us right from the point of creation. And so the love of God is revealed not only in the salvation that Jesus came to give to us, but even more than that, is how he himself will come and live in my body. I don't get it. I don't get it. But that is the love of God. That is the love of God. Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, Paul trying to explain the love of God to the church in Rome. He says, But God demonstrates his love towards us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us see the love of God is not only for those who have come to receive Jesus the love of God is shown even whilst we were in sin whilst we did not qualify he loved us and so if you are here and in thinking you want to put the things right organize yourself well before you embrace the love of God please know God loves you right where you are God loves you right where you are in your weakness, in your challenges. He loves you right there. He's willing to come and live inside of you. The Bible says while we're sinners, Christ died for us. This, the weakness of this flesh cannot stop God from living and dwelling in us and is using us for his glory. Hallelujah. That is the mystery of God's love in our lives. So, God calls us into a relationship with Him. Why? Because love is best experienced in relationships. Love is best experienced within relationship. You can love people, but you know what? When there is a next level of intentionally defining relationship, it increases the the level of love that comes into it. I can say I love everybody here in this house, but somewhere somehow it's different from the love I have with my wife. Because she's my wife. When there is a relationship, love is best experienced. So you can sit on the fence, sit out there and try to experience God's love. Yes, he can visit you here and there. But come into the fold. Receive Jesus into your life. Develop a relationship with God and you will see the love of God. Hallelujah. The love of God can best be experienced when we get into a relationship with God. That is where Jesus continues to call us with his love. Come to me. Forget about what he's struggling with. Come to me. I love you. I want to show you more of my love. I want to show you more of my love. Come to me so that you can experience my love. David said, taste the Lord and see. Are you willing to try that? Taste God and see. Deeper levels of experience of God's love you see the fruits of his love coming to pass in your life because you have chosen to come into that relationship with him let me give this example let's assume you are married okay you live in Grand Prairie your wife or husband lives in Vancouver let me pick that as, as an example every day you stay on phone you chat for 24 hours non-stop Pure love you love each other you don't even want to give a break for a second You can do this for how many years? Keep doing that. Now, if you want to see a fruit in that relationship, okay, let's do a little bit of adult education here right now. Amen. The communication on phone cannot produce for you the fruit you're looking for. It takes a next level of intimacy to bring the fruit into your life. That is the same about how we can experience the fruit of God's love in our lives. The more we develop intimate relationship with God, the more we see the fruit of God coming out of our lives. Hallelujah. And so God is always calling us to love him. It doesn't matter where you are. You might have Jesus already accepted him into your life. There is more. There is more. And the more you you yearn and crave and desire to love God more, the more you see the fruits of God's love in your life. That is the mystery of how God dwells in our human body. The second is to prove that with God, all things are possible. Why would God, who is holy, who is perfect, who is righteous, choose to dwell in our human body to prove that with God, all things are possible? Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 to 10, Paul explains it in a beautiful way paul said but we have this treasure in earthen vessels other versions we say we have this clay in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of god and not of us and then he goes on to say we are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed we are perplexed but not despair persecuted and not forsaken struck down but not destroyed always carrying about in the body the dying of the lord jesus that the life of jesus also may be manifested in our body. There is so much, in fact, this should have been my anchor verse for this sermon. He said, we have in this earthen vessel, what is he talking about, this body, this clay, which will one day die, which is fallible, which can be broken, which can be sick at some point, which can fade at some point, in this earthen vessel, in this clay, we have the treasure what is that treasure? The presence of God, the glory of God, the power of God, the manifestation of God's might in this vessel. And he continues to say, why? So that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, do not look at your flesh to determine how God can use you. The excellence is of God, it's not of you. We have in this clay. I was hoping to do a demonstration. I couldn't get the things I was looking for. So let me try to explain. I was trying to look for a glass jar. And pure gold. So you know why I couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) If you have gold, please bring it and let's try to work this out. (laughs) Assuming you have a bar of gold. In a glass jar. That is the picture of what Paul is trying to teach us here. There is a treasure in an earthen vessel. That glass jar can break. The glass jar is, is, is weak. The glass jar has not so much value, but within that glass jar is a bar of gold, precious, which cannot be broken, which cannot be destroyed, valuable within that glass jar. And so Paul says, the excellence of that whole thing is not a glass jar. It is the gold within the glass jar. That is the mystery of God in us. When God dwells inside of you, it is like gold in you. The beauty of your life is from that gold. The glory of your life is from that gold. The power you have to do God's work is from that gold. The excellence is of God. It is not of you. And so do not allow who you are, how you've been framed, your weaknesses in the flesh. Never let these stop you from embracing the fullness of God in your life. Hallelujah. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And I like the second part. It says, we are hard pressed on every side, in this flesh, but we are not crushed in the spirit. We are perplexed where in this flesh but not despair in our spirit. He said we are persecuted in this flesh but not forsaken in our spirit. We are struck down in this flesh but not destroyed in our spirit. Always carrying in this body, this clay, this earthen vessel the dying of the Lord Jesus and then listen in the same vessel he says that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. So two things are happening at the same time. One part is being is is broken down. There's a process of breaking down on one side, but there's a glory on the other side. In the same body there is a dying, there is a frustration, there is being rejection, but on one side there is glory, there is might, there is power in this body. The mystery of God in us. Hallelujah. So all of us can host that presence of God. And when you allow God to come and dwell in you, it is no more you. It is God. It is no more you. I want to challenge you this morning. Maybe you've been running away from the call of God over your life. And once again, I'm not saying become a pastor, become an event. No. Whatever God is calling you to do, maybe intercession for some people, God has been putting this in your heart. You can hold that gold in the clay and allow the gold to wake the beauty of God. Maybe God is calling you to serve some people in your neighborhood and you've been feeling this in your heart. And you think, I don't have this, I don't have that. There is gold inside of you maybe you have stepped into this and you are receiving you know challenges all around you persecution paul said all this will come right in the flesh not in your spirit and so jesus said do not be afraid of those that can kill your body and not your soul hallelujah you know no matter the persecution around in the world it affects this body you can be put into jail Whatever they do to you, people can insult you. Can it is to this flesh? No persecution can affect your spirit and your soul. Hallelujah! Those ones are preserved. That is the gold of God inside of you, and that is why the earlier apostles were not afraid of persecution. Of course, it affected them. It affected them in some sense, but they would go back to God and pray, and God would give them strength. The more they got persecution, the more they spread the word of God because they caught this revelation, this mystery of how God can dwell in this body and use it for his glory. The third point is to prove that Jesus overcame death and its weakness. You know, the reason why we die, you know, physical death is what I'm talking about. The reason why we die is because We have this body on us. We live in this flesh. That is why we we, we die. The death that happens in us as humans happens here in in this flesh. And so, once again, the mystery is this. If we still have this flesh on us, that would one day die. How can God dwell in us? because God doesn't die how can God dwell in us whilst we are still living in this body and as I said it is to prove that Jesus overcame death and his weakness in our lives although we are living in this body because God dwells in us we are not controlled by the weaknesses of this body it can happen at some point, but God has made provision that our lives will not be controlled by the weaknesses of this body. If not for the presence of God in our lives, because we live in this body, all our lives will be full of sin. Everything that we do on earth would be full of sin. But God, through Jesus, is able to prove that even within this fallible body, clay, that would one day get away we can still live righteous for God. Jesus overcame death and his weakness in this body. That is a mystery. That is a mystery. So sin doesn't rule over our lives. Sin doesn't rule over our lives. There is a weakness here, but sin doesn't rule over it. Because there is a God in who is living in us. And he is able to work his miracles in our lives. And the last point is this. To prove that we will live again with God in eternity. You know, I teach the foundations class, and one of the topics that we we do there, most of the time, it is the first one, we look at assurance of salvation. How can you be sure that when you die, you go to heaven? And it's a question that... (laughs) Depending on who you talk to, you may get a different answer. How can you be sure that you, when you die, you go to heaven? You probably will be told, well, do a lot of good things so that when you die, maybe your good would outweigh your bad and that can give you access to heaven. Or try not to do a lot of bad so that when we do an, you know, addition and subtraction, you can really win on the good side. There are so many views on it but the assurance of salvation for you as a child of God is proven by this mystery of God living inside of you. Hallelujah. If God can live in this fallible, weak flesh of yours, you can be assured that you go and live with God again. Hallelujah. You can be assured of that. If Jesus Christ is in your life, you've received him as your Lord and Savior, And you have God inside of you. If God can live in this weak body, why can't he let me live with him in eternity in an incorruptible body? It is possible. That is the proof of it. So when somebody asks you, well, you guys think, you know, you are good, you are right. It's not about you. And you can tell them this. God is living inside of me. Even in my weak body, he's living inside of me. How much more in my incorruptible body? Come on it is the proof that Jesus we will live with God again in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Listen to what Paul said <laughs> He said, For we know that if our earthly house, once again, the clay is what Paul is talking about here. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, I like how Paul describes it. You go for camping, put your tent after the camping, what do you do? Pull it off, pack it, go somewhere. So if we know that this earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God. Look at the comparison, the contrast. One is a tent, the other one is what? A building. One is a tent, the other is a building. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is how we're going to live with God. So the God who is now living in this weak tents would give us another body that is a building from God and he would dwell in that body with us. So one of the ways that you can know for sure as a child of God that you are saved, you are assured of your salvation is to even know that right now the presence of God is within you. Holy Spirit is inside of you. That is enough, a proof for you to know that God is within you. And you have that ticket to go to heaven. You don't need to die and go somewhere in between and try and do something before you can get access there. Straight, God has given you that access. Why? Because even right now, He is living inside of you. Hallelujah. I don't know where you are in your work with God. But this morning, as I bring this message to an end, what I want to say is this God has loved all of us so much and God is desiring for a relationship with him no matter where you are in your work with God there is a next level that God is calling you there is a next level are you gonna look at your flesh or are you gonna look at the God who is more powerful and is able to live with you in this flesh? It's a challenge to you. It's a challenge to me. Like I said before, this mystery has has been a puzzle for a lot of people right from the day of creation. But Jesus in us is a proof that God can live and work his mighty works through you and me. It's a proof. The transformation that you have gone through is a proof of what God can do and so do not allow the weakness of this flesh and the changes that come along the way like Paul said it's a tent; it is passing away it is passing away all of us at some point in our life this tent will go and the next one will come but even until that happens God needs you God wants to use you and maybe you are here this morning you are watching online you've not made that decision to make that relationship with God can we please be on our feet I want us to give you that opportunity please let's rise if you can i want us to make that i want us to give this opportunity maybe you are here you have been wondering about this whole thing how can god love me how can god live in me thank you worship team please you can come up how can god love me how can god use me i am weak maybe you've been looking at your weakness all through your life today god is saying that yes i know you i know what Is in I know the weakness you have in your body I am so willing to love you to transform you to shape you into the image that I want to give you if you're in this house right now and you've not made a decision for Jesus you've not allowed God to come and make you his dwelling this morning I want to pray with you give you that chance through Jesus to experience the next level of the love of god it will bring a total change to your life it will shape your destiny so if you are here and if not show, you've not made a decision to have jesus in your life if jesus has not come into your life you've not accepted him as your lord and savior just raise your hand with me wherever you are we want to make sure that we have provided this opportunity for everyone. If you have Jesus in your life and this body dies, you can live on the other side with God in a new body. But it only comes when you have made that relationship with Jesus. So if you're in this house, if not made that decision, please just raise your hand, wave your hand with me, and I would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you let's close our eyes all together and make this prayer say Lord Jesus I thank you for your love I thank you for choosing me to be the place of your habitation this morning I thank you for your revelation I embrace your love I embrace your power I embrace your presence in my life if there is any way that I have wronged you by thinking that I am weak today forgive me and strengthen me for what you've called me for in Jesus mighty name I thank you for living in me and choosing me for your work on this earth, and I know when I cross to the other side, I will live with you in eternity in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. I thank you this morning. Thank you. I'm making a prayer. Thank you for that, Father. I thank you this morning for the grace given unto us, even as a church, to receive, Lord, of you. The mystery of how you have chosen as a God who is good to live in this tent of ours. To live in this flesh of ours. Father, we thank you that you don't look at our weaknesses. But you look, Lord, at our strength that comes from you. And Father, even as we are prayed, I ask that if there is anybody here in-house and online who has dwelt for so long in the areas of their weakness, right now let there be a shift in their way of thinking. In Jesus' name, I pray that you release strength over your people and empower us for the calling and the work that you have assigned unto us. In Jesus' mighty name, the mystery is that you are willing to live in this body. Love on us. And use us father I pray that if there is anybody here who's been running away from your calling today let a revelation come so that they would embrace whatever you've called them to do I thank you for blessing your children and I pray that Lord even in the course of the week let this word continue to ring in our hearts and in our minds and help us to respond to it in whichever way Lord you want us to I thank you for fruits coming out of this word in thirty, in 60 and in hundred folds to the glory of your holy name we give you all the praise Lord we magnify you and we thank you for your goodness in Jesus mighty name Amen God bless you as a worship team Jesus. us Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give, just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.